This week on the Access Louisville podcast, we're talking about restaurant comings and goings. Then we're going to discuss the final piece of development in Whiskey Row. Plus, our new editor-in-chief joins the panel. It's going to be great. Stick around. Thanks for joining us. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Shay Van Hoy. Hey. Marty Finley. How's it going? And Haley Cawthon. Hi there. On Access Louisville, we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on this city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before I provide those deliverables, I'm going to get this show started the way I always do, with a difficult question for our panel. Guys, forecastle's coming up this weekend, so we're all going to take a quiz. I'm going to give you a proper noun, and you're going to tell me whether it's a band that's playing at Forecastle or a Louisville business. Two rules I want you to answer very quickly and don't help each other out while I'm going around the table here. So the first one I'm going to start with is Sunflower Bean. Haley. Band. Band. Business. It's a band. (laughs) (laughs) Did you actually know that, Shay? Yeah. Yes. Uh, they've played here a couple times. Um, uh, haven't seen them, but they played at Zanzibar a couple times. Gotcha. And they're British, I think. I don't know. Pretty sure. I just wanted they have to be a contrarian. Thank yeah. you. I like that. All right. <laughs> Orange Clover. Business. 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 Yes. It's a restaurant in Jeffersonville. It's a very awesome restaurant. Marty I, and I live in Jeffersonville, yeah. so <laughs> it yeah. doesn't count. <laughs> Figured you guys would get that one. Okay. This one's so easy, I think. Girlwood. Band. 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 Yes, you're right. And I got one more. Sister Dragonfly. Business. Band. Band. Business. Ah. Oh, uh, oh yeah, we had, we have those in the boutique a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, it's on Frankfurt Ave. When how I did I get that? <laughs> you should have just acted like you, oh, yeah, I go there all the time. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> That's where I get all my dragonflies. <laughs> <laughs> They're yeah. sisters. Yeah. Uh, only Sister Dragonfly. Um... Yeah, so the first uh, topic uh, of the show this week, we're going to talk to Shay Van Hoy. Uh, Shay was just named, is it, it it's editor-in-chief, correct? Yeah, so I looked, um, I was asked that question, what I wanted my title to be, and so I just opened up um, five of our sister publications and see what other editors or editors-in-chief did, and they were all editors-in-chief, uh, though I told my wife I'll probably just introduce myself as editor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went with the uh, ACBJ flow yeah, on that, so... Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that because uh, I think Lisa was called executive editor. Yeah, just editor, I think. Or editor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just throw words into there. Like. Yeah. I did field a Twitter question um, from a friend who was like, please explain to me the difference between an editor and a managing editor. Um, to which then she kind of answered the question correctly. She's like, like the difference between a president and a VP of operations. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly it pretty yeah, much. Pretty so, much. Yeah. Uh, managing. That's what you were before was managing editor right. and you were kind of um, controlling a lot of the day-to-day stuff. Now you're doing more big picture stuff, still doing plenty of day-to-day stuff too. But um, I guess just tell me about your uh, your goal in a new role. What's uh, something you really want to accomplish? Yeah, well, um, I think, you know, I think we've been doing a good job over the last few years. I'd love to elevate that to um, doing a great job. Um, I think part of that for us would be, uh, you know, to continue to break news, but also to concentrate more. Um, something that our, um, you know, other sister papers in our corporate office has talked about is 
uh, you know, just concentrating on um, a little more in-depth and investigative journalism. Um, some of the things we're working on now are, you know, stories to come later in this year, I think, which will uh, give examples of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, kind of maybe using less reporter time to do the uh, daily grind um, stories, uh, but, um, you know, focusing more on in-depth in-depth things and better cover stories. Yeah, I think we all like the sound of that. Um, you know, it seems like for the, la- the industry's shifted towards more of those daily grind type stories in the last few years, so it's it's good to pull back and, and do some of the, the big stories and important stories. Yeah, and, and I think it's no you know kind of no secret that obviously from five years ago, a lot more of our content is locked. Um, yeah. You know, our audience, um, we think, is willing to pay for good content, and, and that's the stuff that we put behind... Um, you know, put behind the paywall, um, and that's continued. You know, you have uh, websites that have popped up, like the Athletic Sports website, which is all everything's paid, everything's locked, and they don't have advertising, so they're totally using content to pay for um, their their sure. reporters and editors. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the biggest story in Louisville is? Yeah, I think we've talked about this in the newsroom a decent amount. Um, with uh, you know, Louisville is kind of just in this lag period. I mean, we're growing, but just a little bit. Um, we're you know. Certainly, you know, there are some cities we're growing faster than, but a lot of our peer cities, um, and we'll just leave Nashville out of it. I think they're a different animal. I think everyone's kind of realized that now, but, you know, Indianapolis and Columbus and, um, and I think part of that is, is like Louisville hasn't had just a big win in years and years. Um, we've had some small wins, you know, financial firms, which have really relocated here. Um, Haley had, you know, a story about this small German company that's, um, expanding here. Um, so a lot of that, a lot of, kind of smaller things but um you know no company has picked up and moved their headquarters here in a while in fact it's went the other way with acquisitions where we've right. lost we've lost headquarters um and i kind of think that's you know made things stagnate so what's our next big win in terms of economic development yeah. um is i think for me the big the big story and and it pushed from uh, the may you know the mayor's office in gli is to land you know to grow tech jobs but you know that's you know can we grow some massive public company here or um can we land one from outside of our city right uh, i think we had a conversation about this one time the last big company to locate to louisville i can't remember what it was i we'll have to look into that dig yeah. into that sometime and yeah and th- this wouldn't have been you know public but you know signature moving here and kind of growing yeah but that's been that several years ago i can think of uh, that was 2011 maybe something and kind like of that. playing into marty's recent story about off- office tower vacancies you know we we haven't had an office tower built since the 90s? 1993, I think, was, that, was when uh, the 400 West Market yeah, was yeah. built. Yep. And so, you know, that can kind of be indicative of that um, as, you know, you know, we've had, you know, a large business that needs a ton of space, hasn't decided to locate well, downtown. we were just in Charlotte and Bank of America's building a giant tower. Yeah. Just for their offices there. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. They already have a tower. And they already <laughs> have one, so they're building another one. Yeah, right. It would it would be great to see that kind of construction here. And we've got a couple of hotel projects that have come up, obviously, but a lot those aren't towers except for the Omni. Yeah, um, and I, people I've talked to said there's a lot would have to happen for, for us to get another downtown office tower. For one thing, we'd have to fill the ones we have. But How right. vacant are they? What was that percentage again? Uh, overall vacancy, I don't have just at my fingertips, but you've got some of these buildings that are – you know, 70, 60, 70% occupied. So they're right. 30 mm-hmm. to 40% vacant. Yeah. And that's a yeah. lot. And, and that was some class A. That doesn't oh. sound like much, but that's a lot of space, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you combine it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it being pretty impressive. Uh, well, we've had a lot of personal personnel changes around here lately. Lisa Benson um, was formerly editor, now she's publisher, and now Shay is 
editor-in-chief here, so we're going to keep trying to, um, you know, just bring the same kind of content, and uh, I know the news business is changing a lot, too, so probably a lot of new stuff that's kind of why I launched this podcast was because we wanted to kind of get in on that, um, on some of the newer media that we were missing out on, so... Um, now that you're editor, will you consider writing a column called That's What Shay Said? I did. Uh, I did not. But uh, <laughs> I used it for a while when I was in Kokomo, which was my first newspaper, which is where Haley came to us from. Um, someone had the brilliant idea of me writing a column three times a week called Shay in the City <laughs> after Sex in the City came out. And I hated it. I totally yeah. hated doing it. Three it was times like, a week is a lot. And it yeah. was like... <laughs> No, there's no direction. Like you're going to write about small business or you're going to write about this. It was just like three times a week, we need a column about something going on in town. And it lasted maybe eight months and I hated it. So nice. I no, but I will be doing more. Um, this wasn't, uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, Lisa did really it wasn't her thing, but I'm going to write more editor's notebooks. Um, probably in a couple of weeks, I'll write my first one. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of just my thoughts on the business community and our coverage. And I might, you know, explain why we did something uh, some way, or it might be something that doesn't really fit into one of our reporter stories, but that um, I decide to write about. So you will be seeing my words a little bit more. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's switch gears there. Let's uh, talk about restaurants for a while. Haley, you just did a couple of stories on restaurant comings and goings. So I guess tell, tell me a little bit about that. What did you kind of learn from putting that story together? So I, I started at Business First at the end of April, actually Derby week, which was a crazy week. And right. The, and then yeah. the week following Derby is like I was overwhelmed with all the restaurants that closed. For some reason, I guess huh. Derby week was kind of like the last hurrah or or the last you know to see if we could make it through derby and if they don't do well during derby but anyways i was just surprised at how fast moving the restaurant industry is here in louisville i knew it was big i didn't know how quickly it was changing every day and so last week i got to look into all the restaurants that have closed in 2019 so far and all the restaurants that have opened and i'm happy to report that there are more openings than there are closings, but people seem to care more about the closings. Yeah, yeah. We tell had, me about that. That was interesting. You told me. We about had that. probably like nine or ten thousand views on the restaurant closings that I listed out, um, compared to like four or five thousand views. Yeah. On the restaurant openings, and so um, we we've had thirty three closings in two thousand nineteen and forty nine openings, um, and there's been some pretty big um, high trafficked restaurants that have opened like biscuit belly mm-hmm. um steak and bourbon was a big one for us mm-hmm. and then there's also been some bigger stories with restaurants closing like review um the galt house hotel signature revolving yeah. restaurant what was the story there uh, they had another plan right yes yeah, so review closed because they're making way for a new concept restaurant um the galt house is undergoing a big 80 million dollar renovation right now and they also um are adding another restaurant concept that's a uh, trying to think of what it's called. Marty knows. Brasserie? Yes. Yeah. 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 The more like front porch type of place, right? Yeah. Sw- yeah. Out on the, spills out on the sidewalk. I think it's going to be off on the Belvedere. Like you can access oh, okay. it from the Belvedere, I think. Mm. Yeah. But the revolving restaurant is temporarily closed. Um, mm. They closed, I think, just after Father's Day last month. And so they're making way for a new concept that's yet to be announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, one one that uh, surprised me, Waylands, over in St. Matthews. I guess it surprised me because I've been there several times and always seemed busy. But 
Um, you know, what were some of the, uh, I guess, prominent ones that you saw close, either long-running businesses or, or just big trafficked areas? I am not 100% sure on some of the bigger ones that have closed. I can tell you some of the more recent ones that yeah. have closed. <laughs> yeah. uh, for example, today, Ward 426, today is, what, Tuesday? <laughs> we just found out today that Ward 426 is really? closing. Okay, so that one's breaking news right there. Yeah, breaking news <laughs> for you guys. And Mellow Mushroom got a lot of traffic for us over in St. Matthews, right. and that was quickly turned over and uh, turned into a new restaurant concept called Diamond Street Grub and Hops. That's the street food restaurant, Yes. Right? What's the concept again? Um, exactly, street, street food. food <laughs> street food from many different places. Yeah, so. street food from around the world. They have, you know, Mexican street corn, uh, those fries, poutine. <laughs> poutine, yeah. yeah. yeah Chicago from Canada, dogs. Chicago dogs, Philly cheesesteaks. Um, hmm. all sorts of food from around the world that you can get in the former Mellow Mushroom location. So yeah. I've seen a lot of these restaurants just quickly turn over into something new. Yeah. Um, steak and bur- Bourbon was also a turnover, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, Steak and Bourbon is actually owned by the same company that owned... Is um, Artisano? Was it yeah, one? Artisano's. Yeah. And Artisano's didn't even actually close. They kind of just like worked at night and re- <laughs> turned it into Steak and Bourbon. Um, for like, a new concept. Yeah, it was like a bar, not that they needed rescuing, but like a bar rescue term where it's like one weekend at something and then it's a new name yeah. and yes, it's a new yeah. place. Yes, exactly. But. Yeah. Um, let's see. I guess, um, so any other uh, restaurant spaces that you've seen turned over real quickly? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. While you're thinking, are there any restaurants that, you know, you guys are really going to miss? I, missed, I mentioned Wayland's. Uh, I loved their uh, tacos they had there. Fortunately, that's owned by the same company that uh, has Merle's on yeah. Main Street, mm-hmm. and I can get those same tacos there. But uh, yeah, pretty much the it's like same menu. I wonder. I kind of wonder if Merle's was. I mean, it's a really high traffic area, but it's not a convenient area to get in and out of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, Lisa, our publisher, was talking about it, and she's like, "Well, I just walk because they live nearby." Yeah, uh, and there's a parking lot. You got to know it's there. Though. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I, it's kind of hard to get back there, yeah, and I don't know. I'm just like, so. you know, it's like the the terrible inconveniences we won't endure to <laughs> go eat. I'm the same way, right? Yeah, that's that's probably why I went there so much. Yeah, it's not too far from my house, so I could. Uh, go there quickly um i'm gonna miss this wasn't a place that you go to like for me everybody once you know once a week or anything but um i liked gary's on spring a lot Mm -hmm. um it was kind of a uh you know upscale not like jeff ruby's upscale not to like that level but um a nice place they had an awesome patio um and they had these amazing like mini hot browns there and i'm not a big hot brown fan because i that's just too much food for me most times but they Mm -hmm. did little mini ones as an appetizer and they were fantastic um sometimes i had live music on the patio and i really liked it a lot and that's the one that turned over to yeah that's another one but yeah uh yeah there's a an italian restaurant there now that i wrote about anybody tried palatucci's i've not been to Mm palatucci's but um i know the spell like i don't know like that you couldn't really mess up that deck it was a really cool really cool place um so i'll miss i'll miss gary's but i'll give palatucci's a try at some point right all right um switch gears again here i'll talk about commercial real estate marty you just finished up a story on the uh whiskey row development downtown Mm -hmm. um and uh, i i gave that a read it sounds like it was a pretty emotional project for one of the developers val jones uh, why don't you go into detail about that? Uh, yeah, so just to set the stage, you know, Whiskey Row is almost finished. Hotel Distilled Moxie is going to be open by, you know, either October 31st, November 1st, sort of that, that window there. 
So it's just going to leave one space left. So we thought it'd be a good time to step back, as Shay said, kind of stretch our legs and do a more in-depth story on that block and its troubles over the years. And uh, one thing I wanted to do with this is I tried to interview everyone in person, and I tried to interview as many people as I could on Whiskey Row, like in their in their buildings, just to get that kind of vibe. But uh, Val's situation was especially emotional because her father actually owned the building there where Whiskey Row Lofts is. So it's directly across from the Yum Center there on Whiskey Row. And uh, he actually had a division to do this back in the 80s, but he couldn't buy the buildings. He was having trouble getting anyone to sell. They, they had some active businesses there, and they just had no interest in selling to him. And at the time, Waterfront Park wasn't there. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with Waterfront, the Waterfront pre-Waterfront Park, it was pretty rough. Uh, I never, like, I can't picture it. I, I've heard what was, it was well, like you know, a CSX, scrapyard, right? CSX was active there. There was a scrapyard. It was very industrial. It's filled yeah. with tetanus. And not <laughs> not attractive. And so, tetanus row loss. You know, <laughs> one thing that she said is they met with some uh, some financial planners and redevelopers to try to get help in, in back in the 80s. And they're like, look, if you could buy every building on this block, you're still not going to be able to redevelop it because no one wants to be near that. You know, right. you need you need yeah. an amenity there, and you don't have it. Yeah. And so, you know, it never worked out for him. He he passed away in 2003, but, you know, she didn't give up. She made sure that they held onto the building, and she actually worked for four years with Bill Whalen to build by the building next door. Mm-hmm. So they bought that in 2008. They kind of combined those two buildings into one. That's where Bear Nose is now. That's where Whiskey Row Lofts right. is. And so that's sort of got things started, and it just sort of kind of went from there. O'Shea's end up buying a building because they thought the – the Yum Center was going to be there mm-hmm. and actually had to have their other uh, properties in town sort of financially support that for about four years Yeah, yeah. because they didn't have a sidewalk when they first opened. So they couldn't get anyone into the building. <laughs> but um, but they said, you know, we were doing well. We had other properties that kind of kept us afloat. We knew this yeah. would work. We just had to give it time. So it was really interesting just to sit down and, and hear these guys talk about their struggles and their and, and really – I think it was emotional for everybody, but especially for Val. Yeah. I uh, read that story, and it made me think back to pre-Yum Center days, seeing Bear Nose there by itself and thinking, wow, a restaurant near the riverfront? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, at one point, I think Bear Nose was probably the only thing active yeah, on yeah, the block. Yeah, in the late 90s, or maybe it was early 2000s. It opened in the 1997, okay, so, yeah. yeah. It was right about when I moved to town. I was like, wow. But uh, <laughs> um, really shocker <laughs> to see that. So what's left to develop on Whiskey Row? So there's one building left. I believe it's 121 West Main. It's on the market for about $3.6 million. It's over 20,000 square feet. It's got the same cast iron facades that all the other buildings mm-hmm. have. Um, we haven't heard anything about anyone buying it, but everyone's pretty convinced that once the hotel's done, and even more importantly, once those all those lanes are open on West, you know, Washington Street is still closed technically to traffic, and right. uh, West Main has still got all that construction there in front. So once the once the lanes are open, you know, they're confident the people on the block that's already invested there that something will move in. We don't know what. I talked to a few people. I know Val said she'd love to see a live music venue there. Uh, she thinks that's one thing that's sort of missing. They got bars and speakeasies and restaurants and right. hotels and a distillery but they don't i mean merle's i think has some live music across the street but they don't have to have like a dedicated music venue is there anything that whiskey rose really missing i was thinking about that I, um you know when you kind of set out our, our course for the this podcast and um you know i don't no smash rooms i don't think we're going to do a smash room there <laughs> but um Haley wrote about smash rooms this week or last week uh but you know there's so the speakeasy kind of it's not I mean, obviously, bourbon has a decent part of that, and there are other bars there that have bourbon. But I wonder if, like, just like the ultimate 
like badass bourbon bar like where you have you know to try to top whoever has the most in town and like it's yeah. the signet you know with no allegiance to any brand but mm-hmm. um it's kind of this like the starting point bourbon bar down one's just a little bit down the road and they have a ton of bourbons but maybe mm-hmm. in the feel feel of an old like um distillery look mm-hmm. um next because it's next to old forester i believe so sure that yeah. would do well with Tourists yeah. who are interested. Or that might just be the easy thing, and I stopped thinking about it after right. that. <laughs> Tim Malloy, I talked to him. He he used to be on Whiskey Row. He was actually, his office was above Bear Nose. He's now over on Washington Street, but um, he worked with Val and some others to promote it, and he actually kind of echoed you saying he thinks probably it'll be some kind of a bourbon outlet. He didn't necessarily say what, yeah. but he thinks with the bourbon tourism really taking off and Old Forester being right next door, that it would kind of make sense. Yeah. You know what would fit in? Duck pin bowling. They don't have here. But I yeah. was going to say, like, there needs to be some kind of entertainment option for yeah. people who aren't necessarily big drinkers or mm-hmm. big bar goers, but want to still, like, go out and have a good time in that area. Um, they need some kind of not escape room or not rage room, right. but, like, kind of a new concept entertainment option. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. But duck pin bowling. pin bowling is something, yeah, duck pin bowling. It's something I've heard is really taking off in other cities. Yeah. So you can, there's a, in Indianapolis at Fountain Square, which is kind of interesting because it's a neighborhood in Indianapolis that like, I just read, this is a small tangent, but an article about the history of a song by uh, this band called Margo and the Nuclear So-and-So is called Broad Ripples Burning. Burning. And they, did you read the oral history of that? No, it just awesome. But I know the song. It's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, they at the time when they were coming together as a band about the mid two thousands, um, they lived in Fountain Square, and they talked. And um, the band members all lived in one house, and they talked about how their neighbors were setting fire to houses by leaning mattresses up against them and lighting the mattresses. So it was not a nice place to live. But now it's awesome. It's totally been renovated. But that whole time, going back to when it was like you know Arson Central, they have um, <laughs> Fountain Square Theater has duck pin bowling, and it has since for decades, I think, mm-hmm. um, and it's really popular and kind of hipster, and I think it would be yeah. awesome. Broad Ripple is very hipster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, the the duck pin place is in Fountain Square, okay. which is now hipster, but was not hipster when it was hipster adjacent. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. So anyway, now, it's uh, taken off in other cities. I talked right. to some developers and brokers who said they're seeing it in Chicago and. You know, big cities, mid-sized cities, so, but we don't have that yet. I want to combine hatch, the axe throwing and the rage and the escape rooms <laughs> somehow. And Doug Pinball. And Doug Throw Pinball. it all in one big building. <laughs> you have to do one activity to get to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we don't have in Louisville, which I'm kind of thankful for, is some of these other cities um, have, I think, entire restaurants, if not certain nights, dedicated to dining in the dark. Oh, I've never idea. heard of that. Know, yeah, were you? So is it like it by like candlelight? No, no, it's pitch black. No, this is a no, 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 no. And the they, the you know theory is that like you cut out that sense and you focus oh, on, you focus on your taste. food. Uh, yes, but you can't see to eat it. Yeah, and plus I'm a weird texture person. Like that would freak me <laughs> yeah. out not knowing unless they say specifically you're going to eat chicken. Like yeah. I would be yeah, slightly but I'd afraid. Yeah, want to make sure it's cooked. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. no pink areas. <laughs> and if, if you're the chef, like, where, you know, presentation's part of the thing, aren't you, like, pissed that you're working at a... <laughs> uh, conversely, though, those would be my best Instagram pictures would be the ones with <laughs> no light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we, while we're on the topic of commercial real estate, um, we got some top golf news this week. And Yay. a day can't go by where we don't talk about top golf. So, Marty, what did we hear this week on Top Golf? So, yeah, we're still waiting to hear uh, from Steve Porter and his clients if they're going to uh, appeal or not. Mm-hmm. I actually spoke to him yesterday. He said it's likely, but no decision has been made. 
In the meantime, Oxmoor Center came out and told the media yesterday that they are moving forward to demolish the Sears store there, which if you've seen, it's just concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a terrible. What a lovely the, cinder block yeah, structure. <laughs> kind of looks like a prison at this point. Um, so even if Top Golf doesn't happen for whatever reason, it'd be good to get rid of the Sears and have it cleared yeah. for something. Uh, so they're going ahead. They've they put it out for bid for the demolition service to get a contractor, trying to get the permit going. That way they could clear, prepare the site. So if Top Golf is approved and and the lawsuit is is settled, they can go ahead and start mm-hmm. building. So and just just for background, the lawsuit. If you made it 24 minutes into this show, you know what the lawsuit's all about. But just in case. Um, the uh, neighbors around there had sued, right? Martin? Yeah, so there's six plaintiffs that came together, uh, sued back, I think, in November, and then sued again in December. They sued the Metro Council and the Planning Commission. Right. That ended up getting consolidated since it was essentially the same case. Uh, but they're arguing that the uh, the city and Topgolf and Oxmoor and everyone involved uh, kind of uh, violated the development pl- or the, the city's code, land development code, and their comprehensive plan. And they've argued from the get-go that this is a bad location mm-hmm. for uh, Top Golf because it's too close to residential communities. Mm-hmm. They've said repeatedly that they want Top Golf here. Some people have said they don't want Top Golf here, but the majority of them said we don't have problem with Top Golf as long as you don't put it near our house. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Top Golf has come out and said, you know, if we don't build here, we're moving on. So now we're just kind of waiting. That they, they've they've wanted every level Top Golf has. Uh, they got the ruling affirming in Jefferson Circuit Court the, the decisions by the city Metro Council and Planning Commission. So now we're waiting, like I said, to see if they appeal. That would yeah. take it then to the Court of Appeals. And it could eventually, if if it goes on, it could go to the Kentucky Supreme Court should they decide to hear it. But Okay, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, that's all we have for you this week. Uh, but I did want to give a chance or give our panelists a chance to share where they where our listeners can find them on social media. Uh, Marty, I'll start with you. Um, primarily on Twitter, BFLU Marty. Um, I tweet about top golf and occasionally random pop culture stuff and sports. And then I'm also on Facebook, uh, more personal, but some work. And then, as we talked about last week, I was in search of my Instagram account. I couldn't remember my handles. Right, it's been found. It's been about four years since I used it. So I'm following seven people, last I checked. So if you want to find a really boring Instagram account, you can follow me there. I think it's Newsman28 is my <laughs> handle from, I think I was probably 28 when I, when I created it. I think you it created many it in 1920. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but that's, that's primarily me. All right. Uh, Shay, how about you? Uh, my main communique method is uh, Twitter. I use primarily my personal account to talk about business and um, baseball and food and beer and cats. And I'm at at Shay Van Hoy, I was an early Twitter adopter, so I got and a weird name, so I got um, my actual name as my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, and I'm hoping to really um, grow my Instagram usage and learn more about it um, this year. That's a personal goal of mine, and get tied into Instagram for journalists. So yeah. that's where you can find me. All right, and how about you, Haley? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at bflu Haley. That's H A L E Y. And I tweet about restaurants primarily, like the new KFC Cheeto sandwich. People seem to be excited mm, about sounds that. Sounds delicious. Or the Arby's Medjitable, which is the meat vegetable. Oh, um, I that tweeted about awful. that. I was yeah. very upset and about that. It was orange. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a carrot. Orange it was meat. a meat carrot, and I was upset. <laughs> yeah. Oh, keep, keep orange on the Cheetos. Yeah. Uh, does your dog also have an Instagram account? Yes. Um, I have an Instagram account for my dog. It's at Winston the Hoosier Pupper. 
and he has more followers than I do on Instagram, so he's by far more interesting than I am. Winston, friend of the show. Yes. <laughs> um, and you can find me at David on Twitter. Uh, you can also reach me by email if you have any suggestions for things that Business First should cover or things that we should talk about on the show. My email address is dman at bizjournals.com. So that's it. Uh, if you haven't already, we would love to have you subscribed to our show so you won't miss an episode. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, and other podcast services. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Haley. Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Marty. And thank you guys for listening. Until next time, bye. Bye.